Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Man, that's a great song, isn't it? How many of you can remember the show Cheers? You remember watching it or you've seen the reruns? Man, that was, it was a great show for 11 straight seasons, all 11 seasons that it was on the air. It was one of the highest rated shows from 1982, the year I was born. I know that just made some of you feel old. Some of you are like, 1982, when was that? Uh, to 1993. It was one of the highest rated shows, and it resulted in one of the highest rated spinoffs, Frasier, in all of television history. The question is, Why? What made this show so popular? Was it that they had inspired writing? Did they, did they just have really talented actors? Or were the characters just that well drawn? What was it? Well, it's not just shows like Cheers. You've got shows like Friends and now The Big Bang Theory that are these phenomenon of TV shows that people tune in week after week after week by the millions to watch these shows. And I've got to tell you, I think it's something more than just the writing, the actors, and the characters. I think it's a sense of community. It taps into a deep human longing for a sense of community that we all feel. How many of you would say, yes, I I can see that. I feel a sense of community. And sometimes when I watch these shows, man, I, I I, I wish I had a place like that. I wish I had a place that I could go where everybody knows my name and, and in spite of all my idiosyncrasies and failings and frailties that people would just welcome me for who I am, that, that when I'm going through difficult times, I would have a support system, people to lean on, and uh, that, that people would just be glad when I show up. I mean, I think we all long for that. I mean, listen again to the words of the cheer song. That second verse goes like this. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name where they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. And then friends, the words say this, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. I'll be there for you because you've been there for me too. Like I, I think there's something inside of us that resonates with, with the words of these songs. It, it taps into a real need for community that each and every one of us has. But I, I've got to let you in on a little bit of a secret. I've got some bad news and some good news. Um, first, let me just say this. Uh, when I was in seminary, Amanda and I lived up in Boston, just north of Boston, for three years. That I tell people that was our stint as foreign missionaries. Um, because being from Texas, the Northeast is about as foreign as you can get. They talk differently. The weather's different. You know, their manners and customs are different. It's just different. Everything's different. They have weird food. Uh, and it's just, it's like being in a, in a foreign country at times. But while we were up there, you know, we're about 30 minutes north of Boston. Well, guess where we went? We went to the original Cheers Bar. 
not the tourist trap cheers bar that's there on, at Faneuil Hall, right? If you go on the Freedom Trail, you end up by Faneuil Hall, and then there's this replica cheers bar where all they want to do is sell you T-shirts and like this $40 Norm burger, right? Everybody remember, Norm, right? He walks in, everybody says his name. Well, we went to the original cheers bar, the one on Beacon Street, and guess what? Nobody knew my name. Like, I walked in, I was expecting Chuck, and nothing, nobody. Nobody knew my name. Why is that? Because these types of communities that we see on TV, those communities aren't real. They exist only on a Hollywood soundstage, right? But the good news is this, that that type of community can be real. And the church is the place that God has designed that would be that type of community, And it ought to be that type of community. For the next couple weeks, we're going to be focusing in on community. Uh, One of the reasons I got into church planning was because I wanted to be a part of a church like that. Where when you come to church, man, you've got so many people that shake your hand, give you a hug, and say hello. That they're so genuinely excited that you're there. That you feel welcome. Even from your very first visit. And if you're visiting us for the first time today, man, I hope you experience that. Uh, But, you know, what we talk about at River Rock Bible Church, when we talk about community, we often talk about our community groups. As I went around to different churches on my vacation, I visited a couple friends that have churches here in the Austin area, and one of them said something, reminded me of something I've heard before, but he was talking to his congregation, he said, man, we really want to encourage you to get into a community group because life doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles, right? Right now you're sitting in a row, and this is not where life takes place. Life happens in circles, like around someone's kitchen table or around someone's living room. That's where life happens. That's where you can open up and say, man, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I need help. And I was reminded of that, and I was reminded of what we say a lot. We say we want to be a church of community groups, not a church with community groups, right? A church of community groups, a church of small groups is a church where there are small groups, like little microcosm churches throughout the church, and man, you get to know this group over here really, really well, and you can share deeply and intimately what's going on in your life, and they're sharing what's going on in their life, and you're supporting one another, and uh, then you come to church on Sunday morning, and maybe one of your people in your community group has a friend in another community group, and you get to know them, and then your network just expands, right? It's not just about, oh, I'm only going to know my community group. It's about getting to know each other. And we, we long for that. We desire for River Rock Bible Church to be a place like that with that kind of community. And it's my, my hope that we are that kind of place. And as, as we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, man, I am so excited about all the things that we've seen God do. And I have to tell you, seeing some of the relationships that have formed and grown over the last year, that is very exciting to me. Um, but for the next few weeks, we'll be looking at community. And if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be using this passage in Acts chapter 2. And if you've ever been to a church where they talk about community, this is probably the passage that they use. It's a great passage. It shows us a lot of things about community, about what the church could and should look like, right? This shows us what we ought to look like. This is Acts chapter 1. Jesus has, in chapter, um, chapter 1, he's ascended to heaven. Chapter 2, Peter, Peter turns and he preaches to this great crowd of people. There's people from all over the world that are there. People from Arabia, people from Egypt, people from Rome, people from just every part of the world that you could think of. There's somebody there from that country. And Peter preaches, and 3,000 people in one day put their trust in Jesus Christ. And then this is what it says in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, 
and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And here's the result of, what, of all this. Listen to this. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. Those who were being saved. Let me tell you, there is nothing more that we want as a church of River Rock Bible, Bible Church than to see Men, women, and children being saved daily. How awesome of a thought that would be. And I don't know if you saw that with me, but as we read through the verses, what I see here is that because of the type of community the early church was, that was leading people to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we see, we see the exact same thing in John 17, verses 20 through 21, and then verse 23. This is Jesus. He's on his way to the cross. He's praying um, getting ready to go to the cross, and he's praying. He's prayed for himself, and then he prays for his disciples. And then he says, I'm going to pray for all those who are going to believe through my disciples, which would be, include me and you and everyone else who passed the message down from that point. And this is what he prays. He says, my prayer is not for them, the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them, what? All of them, say it with me, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe what? That you have sent me. Now don't miss this. The whole point of Jesus praying for our unity, Jesus tells us very clearly right here in his prayer that the reason our unity, the reason our community is so important is because that is a testimony to the very fact that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus was sent by God. Don't miss that. That's important. In fact, it's so important that he says it again in verse 23. He says, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete what? Unity to let the world know what? That you have sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. How powerful is that? Get your mind around that. That our community... Our bond as a church, our relationships as believers, not just within the church of River Rock Bible Church, but the church in Georgetown, the universal church. Our unity, our community that we share as believers is a testimony to the fact that Jesus really was sent by God. That's awesome. That's powerful, but at times that can also be scary because we're not perfect and sometimes we mess it up. Sometimes we mess it up. Let me start by giving us a definition of community, and I've, I've heard community defined this way. It's a unified body of individuals with a common character and common interest who share joint ownership and participation in something. Now think about what we read in Acts chapter 2, and then think about this, this uh, definition again. A unified body of individuals with a common character and common interest who share joint ownership and participation in something. Would you all agree? Raise your hand if you agree. That's what we saw in Acts chapter 2, we saw that joint participation. We saw that. Raise your hand if you, if, if you don't agree, then don't raise your hand. But if you saw that in there, uh, hopefully you did. Go back and read it again. But, but that's what we see. They have a common character. They are individuals unified as a body. Common character, common interest. They share joint ownership and participation 
in something, right? And that something was the early church. Now, let me give you a very simple definition that we'll use for this series. And and a simple definition of a community is this, Uh, especially when we talk about church. We're talking about a group with a common bond and an uncommon unity in Christ. That's what we're going to use to define the church community, a group with a common bond and uncommon unity in Christ. Now, remember that that when you read in Acts chapter 2, these are men and women and children from every corner of the earth. They had absolutely no reason to be associating with each other. From, a, from an outside standpoint, when you look at it, like you got someone from Egypt, you got someone from Rome, they have absolutely no reason to be getting together daily. But what they do have is the common bond of Jesus Christ, right? You go to the, the verse previously, 3,000 were added to their number that day. That means 3,000 people put their trust in Jesus Christ, and immediately they had the common bond of Jesus Christ that brought them together. The second part of this talks about uncommon unity. That uncommon unity is exactly what we saw in John chapter 17 in those verses where Jesus is praying that we would be so unified that the outside world, those who have yet to put their faith in Jesus Christ, would look at us and say, I don't know what that is, but man, they're telling me that it's because of Jesus that they can love each other this way, that they can come around each other this way and they support each other this way. I'm willing to listen a little bit more. Man, in fact, I want to be a part of that. I want to put my trust in Jesus because of what I see. Right? It makes all the difference. A common bond with uncommon unity. Um, so what does that look like? Why, why do we need community? Okay, we've got a definition. Why do we need it? Well, the first thing that, that we see is we need strength. How many of you have ever heard strength in numbers, right? Uh, you go to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you're going to see even though that the social is kind of in the middle, it's not the base, it's not the biggest need, it's kind of in the middle, it's also not the tip. But what you notice, if you really look at that little pyramid, uh, if you remember that from college psychology or wherever you learned it, but if you remember that pyramid and you were to look at it, you would see how much the social interaction plays into all of those categories. Like community and the idea of social interaction plays into all of those, even those base needs. Right? What's some of the base needs? Affection. Well, it, well, you can love yourself, and some people love themselves too much, but it's really hard to have that kind of love just coming from yourself and to fill that real need. Right? And so we just see that there is an importance of strength. We see this in Psalm 61, uh, beginning in verses 1 and 2. David says this, he says, Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. So what's going on? David is feeling weak. He is feeling weak and he calls out to God for strength. And here's what happens. Verse 5, skip down. God answers. And he says, you've heard my vows, O God. You have given me what? How does God answer? You have given me what? Say it with me. Those who fear your name. What is David saying? I prayed. I needed strength. God's answer was, you have a community. You have a community of believers to strengthen you in this time. Go to that community. Be strengthened by them. Right? Uh, Strength would also ties in closely with this is support. Right? We have strength. Next we have support. We need to be strengthened by our fellow believers, but we also need their support. Um, Something that, that I love is this quote by Gary Burge. He's an author. And he says... When God's love feels distant or non-existent, 
the love of the church, he says the love of the body of Christ is real and tangible. So when we feel separated from God at our weakest point, in our darkest moments, and we feel like, man, God, you are just not there, we have the body of Christ, we have the church community come around us and to strengthen us and to offer their support. Let's look at a verse real quick. Um, Acts 2.45, this is exactly what we see. It says, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. They're supporting one another. Now, don't be confused. This is not communism. No one was forcing them into this. Nobody was saying we all have to have equal shares of everything. But what was happening is, well, maybe my house is leaking. So this person says, my house, my, the roof of my house is leaking. I need your help. Uh, they come to the, before the church and say, here's my need. And someone says, I don't have the money to fix the house, but what I do have is a cow that I can sell. Let me go sell that cow and give you the money so you can get your roof fixed. Right? And that's how the needs were met. Now, there's something about this that, that we need to be aware of, which is, first of all, um, sometimes, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but sometimes we get a little frustrated um, because no one meets our needs, but we, we need to recognize that if we're not asking for help when there is a need, sometimes people just don't know, right? So there's a little bit of ownership on us to say, hey, um, here's the need that I have, but at the same time, man, if I come up to Stephen on a Monday morning and I say, hey, Stephen, how are you doing? He's like, fine. I'm like, great, glad to hear it. Uh, is Stephen really fine? No. That's where the responsibility falls on me to say, hey, bud, what's going on? You seem, you seem a little down. And he has the opportunity to be open and honest about what's going on. Um, one of the things that I loved about living up in Boston was the snow. It was the very thing that my wife hated and why she could not wait to get back to Texas. I loved the snow, and uh, I told you we lived in Ipswich, which is a pretty rural area. In fact, one town over Hamilton, where the seminary was that I was going to, it's about a 10 or 15 minute drive, and on this drive, it's this, it's Route 1A, it's this little bitty country road, a little two-lane road, there's an orchard off to one side, um, you, you can see this coastal beach, um, uh, Cranes Beach, if you've ever been there, it's one of the top 10 beaches in the United States, it's beautiful. Um, but you also drive by a polo field. It's just this wide open space. And it's, it's amazing when there's a fresh blanket of snow. Well, being close to the coast, what often happens is you don't get this nice powdery snow like you get in Colorado. You get this real dense, heavy, wet snow. And I can remember driving into campus one day and seeing trees much like these that were just blanketed with this heavy, deep snow. And I noticed that some of them were bending even to the point that they were touching the ground, but they did not break. And then I would see another tree that had broken under the weight of the snow. And nine times out of ten, I've got to tell you, the tree that broke under the weight of the snow was the tree that was standing alone. And what I noticed was that the other trees that were in a grove together, they were in community, they were their, their branches were interlapping and so even though this branch over here was bearing weight and this tree and its branches were bearing weight, they were bearing the weight together. And they would bend, but not break. It was the ones who stood alone that could not handle the pressure of all that heavy snow that would eventually break. Man, you and I and our community is the exact same way. Every single one of us has our own burdens. We have our own problems. But there is someone else here who needs us. There is someone else in the body of Christ that needs us. In the same way, this person over here has their problems, and we need them. 
right, with all their problems, we need their support in our times of need. Otherwise, if we try to stand alone, if we try to just say, well, church is on Sunday morning and that's all I can give, man, eventually the weight of life is going to come down on us and we're going to bend and we can only bend so far before we break. Um, I love Acts 4, uh, Ecclesiastes 4, excuse me, um, verses 9 and 12 say, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Think about that. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That when we are together, we can easily uh, overcome some of the things that we cannot withstand on our own. The last thing that I see, not just a sense of strength, not just uh, support, but we have a sense of wholeness that comes with this. 1 Corinthians 12 is a great passage where Paul describes that we are the body of Christ. And he tells us this, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. What's he saying? He's saying, look, every single one of us are a part of the body of Christ, but every single one of us is a different part of the body. Right? Some of you may be the hind end, and you probably, no, I'm joking. Uh, uh, hopefully you're not, but, but we are all part of that body, and we all need each other. Right? We, we need each other. We can't say to the other person, well, I'm more important than you because I fill this role. No, it's not like that at all. In fact, he goes on, he says, the fact is that God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So think about that. Your giftedness, your talents, your abilities that God has given you, he has placed you in this church for a purpose. Don't think, well, because I don't play guitar, then I'm not worthy. Because I'm not an upfront speaker, then I'm not worthy. No, there are real gifts and needs that we need, um, that I need. Man, one of the greatest things I ever heard was lead with your strengths and staff to your weaknesses. One of my weaknesses is a lot of times interpersonal relationships. Like I am so focused on tasks that sometimes I just blow right by people and I miss it. Um, Stephen, on the other hand, is like, did you see what you just did to them? Like, do you realize what you just said? And I'm like, no, I had no idea. I was just trying to get this thing done. He's like, back up from the task for a second and look at the person. And so Stephen and I work together great. He fills in my weaknesses. Um, I love the way Rocky Balboa says it in, uh, in this movie here. Check out this clip. What's the story? What's happening? You really like her? Sure I like her. I don't see it. What's the attraction? I don't know. Fills gaps, I guess. What's gaps? I don't know, gaps. She's got gaps, I got gaps. Together we fill gaps. I don't know. Such wisdom, right? Uh... We fill gaps, and that's the exact same way it is in the church, that we fill gaps. Man, I got gaps, the elders got gaps, you got gaps, my gaps are humongous, but together we fill the gaps, and we form a community, and it brings us a sense of wholeness. We have that together. Man, this is something that is so exciting for us, but what we have to realize is that if we're going to be this kind of community where we experience strength, where we experience support, where we experience that sense of wholeness, we have to go beyond the superficial like I just talked about. We have to go beyond, hi, how are you? Great, glad to see you. Thanks, see you next week. We've got to get beyond that to being transparent and open and honest with each other. And that happens when we get out of the rows and we get in circles and we do life together. When we, when we meet up together for no other reason than just to, hey, 
Let's go watch some football together. Let's spend some time together. Ladies, let's, let's go have tea or get our nails done. I don't know what ladies do. Um, men, let's go shoot some, something out of the sky together. Let's go, let's go bond over an event. Let's, you know, whatever it is, just getting together and being together and enjoying each other's company. So this is why we need community. Let me really quickly just say what happens without it. And the first thing that happens without community is frustration. I already hit on this a little bit. Sometimes you may find yourself outside of community, and that may be your own fault, right? Sometimes we hold things on the inside, and they're like, why is nobody helping me? And you, you have that conversation, and you say, well, who have you talked to about this? Well, nobody. They're just supposed to know. And it's like, no, we can't read minds. You have to let us know when there's a need. And at the same time, just like I talked about earlier, sometimes we say, hi, how are you? And they're like, oh, man, it's not good. I'm like, great, glad to see you. And we, we miss those opportunities to dive in, right? We have a responsibility to be open and honest. We also have a responsibility to dive into people's lives when we see that there's something wrong. That goes both ways. So sometimes, sometimes we, we get frustrated and it's our own fault. Sometimes it's the fault of the community. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. But uh, listen to what Galatians 6.2 says. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Man, you've got to let us carry your burdens, and we want to ask you to help carry our burdens. I can remember when our kids were first born, the triplets. Man, before they were even born, we had women showing up at our door asking Amanda, um, can we help you get things organized? We know you've got all this stuff that you've got to try to organize. Can we do it? And I have to tell you, this was hard for my wife. This was really hard because she, she's not really a control freak, but she wanted to know where everything was, and she wanted, you know, she's a nester. She's a mom. She wanted to be organized and know where everything was. And so when, when she would have to ask for help, that was really hard for her, not because she didn't want it, but because she wanted to, you know, she had her own way of doing things, and someone else is going to do it uh, differently. And when we were talking about community this week, she said, the one thing that I realized is that I had to give up a little bit of control. And that is a hard thing for us to do, to give up that little bit of control, just that little bit so that we can let people in. But you know what? That opening our doors to those people to come and help us, we have friends up in the Dallas area that will be friends for life. We have people that came to our house when the triplets came home from the NICU. Um, For about four months, there was someone from the church there almost 24 hours a day. We had women that for the first year of the kid's life, they would spend the night on Wednesday night and Saturday night, and they would take care of the kids so my wife and I could actually get a full night's sleep. We had teenagers, um, after they graduated high school, they came and they said, let us take Sunday night. So we've ha- we had a group of four girls that would come, and they would just bring movies. They would sleep in the living room, and anytime time one of the kids would cry or need to be taken care of, they would take care of it. And we got to sleep. And we're still in contact with all of those people but it took us being willing to ask for that help, which is really hard for me because I don't like to ask for help. Man, I could, I, like, I could be on the, on the flat bench at the gym with 400 pounds on my chest. My face is turning blue, and I'm not asking anybody for help. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure a way out. But when we do that, we experience frustration. The second thing is this. We experience failure. Uh, we have a very high calling. First Peter tells us to be holy uh, just as he is holy. That is our calling. And none of us can live up to that. We are all at some point going to fail. And it's that community that provides this gentle restoration and accountability to us when we do fail. And helps us realize just because you failed, you're not a failure. Right? 
Just because I failed doesn't mean I'm a failure. You've got people around you that love you and say, man, hey, you dropped the ball on this one. Let me help you get back on track. Let me help you get down the road where you need to be, where God wants you to be. Uh, I, I was thinking about this this morning as I was shaving for my birthday in January. My wife got me a straight razor, and I've been shaving with it ever since, and it's awesome. I love it. It, it looks cool. Um, it, it feels cool. Like, I just, like my chest hair grows when I talk about it. Uh, I just love it. You know, it's this awesome thing that I have. And, and one of the things that I didn't realize, um, it's, you guys know what a strop is. It's that leather piece, of, and you... You see them in the movies, they go like this. If you ever see someone do that, do not let them shave you. Um, that will tear up your razor more than anything else. But, but what I've, as I've read and studied about it, what I've realized is that strop, um, it's not sharpening in the sense that we normally think of sharpening, right? Normally when you sharpen something, you, you file it down so you get a new edge. You're removing metal. Well, the strop doesn't actually remove metal. All you're doing is you're trying to get the grains and fibers of the metal to line up so that it'll be a nice, smooth shave, so it'll feel extremely sharp, but you're not removing any metal. So you don't need, you hardly need any pressure. You just let the weight of the razor rest on that strop and you draw it back and forth. Now, I also have a lawnmower that has a blade that needs to be sharpened. About twice a year, I sharpen the blade of this lawnmower and I've got to clamp it down in a vise. And while it's in that vise, man, I've got my file and I'm going to town on this bad boy because I've hit a couple rocks you live in Georgetown, I know you've hit rocks with your lawnmower, right? I've, I've dinged it up. I've hit a couple rocks. Sometimes I've got to flatten it out with the hammer, and it takes some work. It takes some real pressure and grinding to get that thing sharp where it needs to be. And we are exactly the same way. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know what? Sometimes our sharpening, all we need is that gentle straw. And sometimes we need someone to come in with the file and file us down and slap us across the face and say, hey, do you realize what you're doing? You're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting your whole family, right? We all need that so that we don't experience failure, we don't experience frustration. Lastly, that we won't experience a falling away. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that no one, none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But, but what? What does it say to do? But encourage one another, how often? Daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by your sins, uh, deceitfulness. So what's he saying there? He's saying that if we're not careful, if we don't encourage each other when we fail, if we don't encourage each other when we need those times of support, what happens is we become hardened to our sin. And the longer we become hardened to our sin, the further and further away from God we get. And the more, like that tree, we start to bend. And eventually we reach our breaking point. And our life weighs us down, our sin weighs us down, and we break. And we hit bottom. But thankfully, God has provided us a community, the church, where we can meet together. We can devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, the study of Scripture. We can devote ourselves to breaking of bread, getting together in each other's homes, doing life in circles rather than just in rows. We can meet together daily for worship, whether it's, you know, hey, we're going to get breakfast tacos at Sierra's on Monday mornings. Men, let's go get breakfast tacos. Women, we're going to have coffee the first Tuesday of every month at Chianfrani's, or we're going to do this once a month or however often it is. Just getting together and doing life together in rows and encouraging each other and saying, how are you really doing? How can I pray for you? What is God doing in your life? Where are you struggling? Where can I come alongside you? 
what gaps do you have that maybe I can fill? You know what? I can't fill that gap, but I know someone else who can. Let me go get them. They can fill that gap. This is why we have a body with many members. This is the last thing I want to say. Uh, Randy Frazee wrote a book called The Connecting Church, and he says this. The experience of authentic community is one of God's purposes, one of the purposes God intends to be fulfilled by the church. The writings of Scripture lead one to conclude that God intends the church to be not to be one more bolt on the wheel of activity, but the very hub at the center of one's life. God's desire is that our main community that we have would be the church, where we can find the support of other believers. It's not just a, let me tack it on to Sunday morning, or let me tack it on to Sunday morning and then community group Wednesday night. But man, I'm getting together with my community group people on Monday night to watch football. We're getting together on Wednesday night for community group. We're going Friday to watch the Eagles win their first football game against Round Rock. Uh, We're going to church together on Sunday, and if somebody's missing, someone's getting a phone call saying, hey, where were you? We missed you at all this stuff. We're doing life together. We're sharing in the good times and in the bad. That's God's desire. That's what we see, that, that we would be, as Acts 2, 44 tells us, we would have everything in common uh, that all believers were together and had everything in common. That is God's desire for us. That's my desire for this church. I just want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, uh, maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, and I have to tell you that really that is the first place to experience the authentic community. You've never experienced community until you've experienced the community of God. When you are in community with His his son with the Holy Spirit and with the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. That is unlike any community you will ever experience. And that comes simply by saying, Jesus, I trust you as my Savior. If you want to know more about that, please come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about how to get into that community. But more importantly, we just want to let you know that every single one of you is welcome. We are launching community groups coming up uh, in the next couple weeks. And there are opportunities for you to sign up. In fact, if you'll grab your connection card right now, go ahead and take this out. And look on the back. It says, I'm interested in. And one of this very, the second one on there is community groups. Go ahead and check that box, and someone from the church will get in touch with you, and we'll, we'll help you decide what's the best community group for you. Man, feel free to visit all of them if you want. Find the right place. Find the right community for you. Don't be left out. Don't be that tree standing by yourself. Be in community. Be in community. Let me pray for us as our ushers come forward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today, for this opportunity to gather together to worship your name as a community of believers. Lord, we pray that you would help each and every one of us to go out and to, Lord, that you would give us the success that the early church saw, that that you would add to our numbers daily those who are being saved that we would have that privilege, that we would have the kind of love for one another, that the world would see it and they would desire to be a part of that kind of love. And we would have the opportunity to tell them that that love only comes first through a relationship with Jesus Christ and putting your trust in him. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.